In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. This is the fourth Sunday of a tour, and we're already one week into the uh, fast of the Nativity. So um, if you haven't started fasting, please uh, consider beginning as soon as you can. And the readings continue this month with the theme of the Holy Scriptures taking root in our lives to make sure that we become true disciples and true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In today's reading, we hear of a rich man who came running, and he knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit that I may inherit eternal life? And Christ tells him that he needs to follow the law, and that the man showed that he indeed did follow the law, and he had done so from his youth, and he had a lot of great values and virtues. Um, the reading today tells us that Christ even loved him when, he's, when he said, I've observed all the law. No one, of course, knows the heart of this person uh, except God alone, but one can suppose that this person had a lot of really good qualities. He was, first of all, very humble, kneeling before Christ. A lot of people approach Christ and never kneeled before him. And he asked for eternal life. He didn't ask for worldly things, but he asked for eternal things. Uh, many came to Christ testing him, for example, asking for things for themselves, for healing of their physical bodies, or others were asking for a lot of carnal things like food. Uh, but he observed the weightier elements of the law and asked for eternal life, and having kept the, all of the law from his youth. And he was prepared to eat, do even more when he said, what shall I do? showing that he was um, prepared to do even more, and he had a great desire to please God. And the reading says that Christ looked at him and loved him and asked the man to go and sell what he had and give to the poor. At this point, however, about hearing that he has to sell what he had and give to the poor, comprehending at least to a degree, uh, but surely not a full measure, but at least to some degree, what he was walking away from, because it says that he walked away sorrowful. He walked away sorrowful. He couldn't give up his treasures, but he walked away at least sorrowful. So at least to some degree, he realized that he was walking away from something special with our Lord Jesus Christ. He turned away from the instruction of him, who was just a few minutes before that, he called him the good teacher. Didaskele Agathi, the good teacher. In an instant, all of these great qualities, all of these wonderful qualities were lost because of his love for money. And most trustworthy, and most noteworthy, uh, the past qualities were lost, but also the future blessed life with Christ was also lost, all because of his love for wealth. And the love for wealth is a destructive disease in our life. It's like a cancer that, that destroys all other virtues. It blinds us from God's love for us it hinders our own love from flourishing towards God and others. The love of wealth is like the thorns that we read about just a few weeks ago. The love of wealth is the, the thorns that chokes the seed um, that, of the Holy Spirit that works inside of us. With this man, God's seeds fell on fertile ground. He was prepared to do even more. The plants started to grow, but then were choked, just like the parable that we read about it. His spiritual life was choked by the cares of this world. With the rich man we read about today, he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions, as the Bible says. He had great possessions. And it's not that he had a lot of possessions, but that he was in love with those possessions more than he was for God. And the fact that he had great possessions showed that these great possessions 
had a great hold or mastery over his life. Because the desire to fulfill the love of possessions is never filled. It never is never filled. It cannot fill or satisfy, but leaves you wanting more and more. And this desire does not um, does not is not quenched quickly, right? But it wants to grow even more and more. Many keep laboring. For example, we see it today in our lives that they keep laboring and searching for more, but can't find it. So they try to search even more, and they're not fulfilled. So then they search for more, even on top of that, as far as holding and acquiring possessions in their life. And it's like a downward cycle, because no matter how rich they become, their desires are never fulfilled, which is why Christ says only a couple chapters before this in, in Mark chapter 8, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And the answer, of course, would be nothing. This man in today's reading was taken by the deception, and so when called to follow God, he refused. He couldn't do it. And when he refused, he walked away very sad and sorrowful. And then Christ our Lord said, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Our Lord did not blame the riches themselves, but blame those who made themselves slaves to those riches. Those who allow money to compete with God in their hearts will find it difficult to enter into the kingdom of God. That's the lesson for today. Irrespective of what they actually own, it's all about what's inside of the, of the heart. We see, for example, in the lives of many of the rich saints that we have in our church history and in the Bible. Though they owned money and they owned great possessions, they didn't allow the money to own them. They didn't allow the love of money to enter into their heart to prevent them from loving God more than anything else and also loving their neighbor. Some of these rich uh, saintly people included, for example, Job, was the richest man in the East in his days. The Lord blessed Job's wealth after the tribulation, and he doubled it. For the wealth in his hand was a tool for good. It was an agent for good, and also for the building of the kingdom. We know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were rich. Joseph of Arimathea was rich and was titled a good and just man, although we knew that he was rich. He was the one who um, uh, took care of Christ's body afterwards. Also in church history, we have St. Melania, who spent her money building churches and monasteries. St. Paula, who sponsored St. Jerome, St. Anasimon, who was a princess and became, as it was labeled, a fool for Christ, St. Maximus and Demetrius, who were also princes, St. Basil, the patron of this church, was also very well off, but his, in his obituary, St. Gregory the Theologian says that he used to give to the poor from his own money and from his own hand. He would actually distribute his possessions to the poor with his own hands. And of course, the richest of all of those who have come before us were Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve lived a very luxurious life in paradise. Not that they worked for it, but because they were created that way. Their minds were completely and continually enjoyed God's purpose for them. They didn't lack anything. They lacked nothing and were in complete security. Their bodies were calm. They weren't stressed. They were untroubled. There was no chaos of any kind in their life because the chaos of sin didn't enter into their life. They lived in luxury by like whatever we can define luxury it is, like they lived in that complete luxury 
without a care in the world and continue to live that way until, of course, they let something alien enter into their heart and they sinned and they lost all of that. They let the love of God have second place in their hearts. And when they fell under sin, they, sat, they sank into decay afterwards. Then the pleasures and impurities rushed into their nature and there was a downward spiral afterwards for all of humanity. And the luxurious life they once had was gone in an instant because they allowed something else to enter into their heart. But they were created to live without care in the world. Having the right kind of treasure and the right kind of luxury and the right kind of security is what the Lord intends for us. In John chapter 10, our Lord says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And in today's gospel, he tells the rich man to give to the poor and he will have treasure in heaven. The meaning of holy treasure and holy abundance is what we should think about and what we should pursue as well. It's as if, you know, this love for money, it's an attempt by humanity to re-enter paradise. Not through God, though, but through material possessions. Something inside of them was like a memory of what paradise was, and they longed for it, like we're built that way, to long for that. And we try to re-enter paradise, but not through the right way, not through abundance of relationship with God, but through material possessions and wealth. Instead of abundance of the love of God and the treasure of a relationship with Him, many seek to increase the lie of pursuing peace and security through possessions and through wealth. Where's the heart in all of this? Where's the heart in all of this? Pope Shenouda said that the wealth is not a hindrance toward the kingdom, but the hindrance is in the heart. Being rich or not being rich really doesn't mean anything. It's not the outward act or situation that matters. What matters is the state of our heart. I've seen, of course, many rich people, and you might have as well, many rich people or many poor people who are, who are very content and are very generous. I've seen very uh, people who don't have much, yet they are much more generous than those who have abundance. I've also seen poor and rich people as well who have a great desire to become wealthy and are greedy. You know, you see them in both. So it's not the outward situation of their existence, but really what is in their heart. There are some who are rich and are consumed by being so. There are others who are rich and give because their heart is not consumed or a slave of riches. But there are also some of those who are poor who desire to be rich. And that desire is so dominant in their hearts that it consumes them. Even though they have little, the thought of riches aggressively harasses their mind. St. Clement of Alexandria says that in such a case, it's of no advantage to him to be poor in his wallet while he is rich in his passions. We, are, we have others too that who are poor but are content and even generous in what they have because they have Christ and the source of all true riches. Because again, it's not the wealth itself, which is earthly material and powerless when you look at it, but the love that we give to it that by which we become overcome by that. And once we do... We receive countless blessings. Once we let go of these desires, we receive countless blessings and promises in our life. But the external scenario of whether having wealth or not is not what is the source of the evil. 
It's when wealth, which is a tool of mankind, is not in submission to a righteous life. We have to have the, uh, the possessions that we have, the time that we have, the energy that we have, always be in submission to our Lord Jesus Christ in a righteous life. Because wealth is by nature something to be controlled. It's something man-made and it's something to be controlled and used and not meant to control or use mankind, but mankind is meant to control and use it. And it doesn't matter how much money we have because no matter if you're rich or poor, the desire for wealth and possessions threatens and is always knocking on the door. <clears throat> and that desire for riches, which is always knocking on the door for all of us in society today, has two children. The desire for riches has two children, greed and the desire to live luxuriously. And those two are also knocking on the door. One tells you to keep more, greed tells you to keep more, and the other tells you to spend more. They, it's as if they're, the two children are of, of the wealth of money, the love of money, is like they're contradicting each other. One tells you to keep more, and one tells you to spend more. And they feed off of each other. Spend more, says luxuriousness, spend more that you can have more, and keep more so that you can spend more. And both are whispering in our ears. Greed says to us, keep for yourself, keep for your family. If you should be in need, no one will give to you. Don't live for the present time, but sacrifice the present because of your worry about the future. On the other hand, luxuriousness tells us, live while you can. Do good to yourself. When you die, you don't know who will get your possessions and whoever it is, they can't give it back to you anyways. Do well, therefore, to yourself when and while you can and while you're still alive. And so the two are kind of contradicting each other. We need to be free of all of this. We need to be free from both sides of the love of wealth and money. What then do we do, we do to avoid all of this stress? And how can we avoid such a love for money so that we can not be like the so many throughout history that have become corrupted and destroyed by this evil desire? And there's only one antidote. The antidote for the love of money is giving. Giving is the antidote. St. John Chrysostom says, It is by taking away and not by adding to this evil of the desire of money that we keep it away from us. We may not be able to give all or half uh, of our, our you know, possessions, but we can give what we can. Give uh, the small things that we can to practice not giving uh, our heart to the love of money. This is a very practical step to keep us free from the evil of the love of money. Almsgiving benefit the giver more than those who receive. The poor benefit, for example, when you give, the poor will benefit from having a little bit of bread or clothing. By the way, we have a bin downstairs for uh, providing warm clothing to the poor so we can distribute it that, especially during these cold days. And they benefit. They receive a jacket or a blanket, or they receive a morsel of food, which is a, a blessing. Um, if you give to the church, the parish church uh, benefits from being able to expand the services and the spiritual services to the families and to the youth and to the community and pay for mortgages and expenses, etc. When you give to a charity organization, they benefit by being able to cover the cost of serving whatever charity they're providing. But now let's look at the giver of the gift. When we give, we benefit from not being bound and enslaved and being free from one of the most dangerous of sins, the love of money. We benefit from pleasing Christ. 
We benefit from building a spiritual home in heaven and increasing our treasures in heaven where, where we will receive it there. We benefit from the stress that money can cause in our life as well. And so as if it were, we're trading the inferior for the superior. So in this time of fasting, let's practice the spirit of letting go of those things which cause us headaches and stress and doing uh, more that will increase the love of God in our lives, such um, and not doing things that add debt to us or increase in possessions that always add nothing but stress in our life. In Psalm 41, blessed is he who considers the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. Because the other things we possess, which are not even ours, but already belong to God, and the people we have a relationship are all temporary. They're like a vapor of smoke or in a dream that we have it now, but will disappear soon, very soon, and will fail us in the time we need it the most. These possessions will fail us, the money will fail us, the relationships will fail us. Let's invest in our Lord Jesus Christ, our relationship with Him, and He will never fail us. Christ offers us a great deal. Let's make the most use of the temporary possessions we have, exchanging the inferior for the superior, making friends for ourselves by unrighteous mammon. Let's seek first the kingdom of heaven and become rich towards God, who, whose good pleasure it is to give us all that we need and much, much more beyond our even our imagination. And that we may attain the good things of eternity by the grace of the lover of mankind, our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen.